Education coaching is incredibly rewarding because you're changing the course of people's lives. You are preparing them for the future. And we may think studying for the ACT is one thing, but you're studying for the ACT that gets you into a top school, that gets you a top job and gives you opportunities. And there's nothing more rewarding than getting to do that. So Hayden is a wellness coach with wit and reason, focusing on, among a few things, youth's academic wellness. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. Hayden, what would you say some of their biggest challenges are trying to be prepared for college? Admissions is so hard. It is so hard. And because of that, kids are over-preparing in a way that is like taking away from their humanistic side. And that is a major problem that I see where you have kids who they are in all the AP classes. They are trying to be student body president. We have stopped viewing kids as children because we are trying to get them to Harvard, Yale, Stanford. We want the best for our kids. And we have started over-preparing them and failing to allow them to think about who they are as a person and their wants and needs. And that is setting them up for failure. When we talk about like academic coaching and preparing youth for college, around like what what age or or grade are you working with people or do you recommend? It varies incredibly. It varies geographically and what your expectations are for your kid when you want them to like go out into the real world. I am not a major proponent of kids taking 15 AP classes that is ridiculous to me. And I don't think it guides admissions much at all being on the other side of admissions. I've done interviews for Northwestern and their application process and admissions. And kids need a lot of time to grow and think and make themselves interesting Mm -hmm. and forcing them to be in hundred AP classes for the sake of being in them doesn't get them there. So it varies. And everyone is different, but if you're in New York City, please take advantage of selective enrollment because it's going to set your kid up for success if you can afford it. And that's only in New York City or? New York City, Chicago, DC does it to an extent, but New York's is the one I know to be like the most rigorous. I went to school with a lot of people in Chicago who did selective enrollment, but Chicago is funky because you may be in this neighborhood and then taking the train two hours to get to your other school selective enrollment. So they're just competing factors of like what is actually accessible when you live two hours away from school. Yeah. So we'll add a, we'll add to our webpage for academic coaching, how adults, parents, caregivers can learn more about selective enrollment for their youth. Any tips or recommendations you have for the adults in in these kids' lives, like what what they should do and how how they should try to nurture academic success? Being involved is the biggest thing. My parents had no idea what class I was in. They had no idea when I was supposed to get to school or leave school or what my homework looked like. And even if you have not done like Calc BC as a parent, you can still sit down with your kid and understand what they're doing in class and just being in the same room as them while they're doing their homework, it makes your kids feel supported and lets them know that you're actively engaging in your life. So not everyone needs to invest 
a significant amount of money in education coaching or test prep. And not everyone has the resources to, but if my parents had sat down and actively participated or advocated for my needs at school, that would have helped a ton because it takes nothing to go to your school counselor and principal and advocate for what would be a better fit for your kid educationally. So always a great resource. I personally, YouTube, Khan Academy, those are, we can giggle all day, but they are excellent resources. And there is an onslaught of free ACT prep discussions that you should partake in. My, I have a twin brother and he, wickedly smart, smarter than I will ever be. He decided, he was like, I don't want to take pre-calc. I'm going to just take calc AB. I'm going to skip pre-calc. And he taught himself like pre-calculus off of Khan Academy. So it definitely can be done and everyone should. That's pretty amazing. And so we have a, you know, a variety of situations here. We have um, some parents, adults, or caregivers who, who understand the importance of college and then want to do everything in their power to set their kids up for success. Um, and then we have, you know, some adults who may not either like realize or value um, higher education or may even be just like too preoccupied to even in, engage in in that level um, with their kids. So when we're looking at at youth that may not have that adult support, what can they do to to try to support themselves and guide themselves through this? In addition to, I guess, looking at the YouTube videos and trying to study more, I mean, any- That can be a really lonely place. And if I'm talking to little Hayden, the most important thing is like, you are doing enough. Like I was staying up, I was probably averaging four hours a night of sleep because I was trying to do all of the classwork, all of the college preparation. And those kids are doing the same thing. So first I commend, applaud, you are- doing more than a lot of adults can. Mm -hmm. So big congratulations. And if no one else is acknowledging their lives, like we should. So that first, second, if you are navigating this all on your own, take some time to figure out like what you actually want, because I was so blinded in trying to figure out just how do I get myself to college that I graduated college and being like, I don't know what my favorite color is. Like I've been so stressed for so long. So take some time to really think about what you want to do, what your likes and dislikes are. And that will make college navigation a lot easier because you're not going to be looking at all of the schools. You're going to be looking at a very select amount of schools. And the less, the better. Lower your workload. Yeah. And then you, as a youth who does not, understand the college process or have anybody who's really involved. The best thing is don't overload your coursework because you think that taking 20 AP classes is going to get you into Harvard. What wealthy parents do in educating their kid is take the few classes, work smarter, get the great grades in them, and then take time outside of it. So please don't overwork yourselves and the test scores YouTube, Khan Academy, I got my ACT book from Half Price Books and the Public Library. So take advantage of those free resources and 
I hope that you can navigate the process because it can be done. Yeah. Do you have any um, any recommendations on outside of AP courses? Uh, what youth? Um, I don't like to use the word should, but <laughs> what what would uh, support their application process? I mean, are we talking about like take some AP classes and then just go party, or does there still need to be some some extracurricular kind of strategic? Uh, investment there in their time. Everyone thinks that being the student body president and the 20 AP classes and all of this is like going to create this like perfect application, but it does not. And no one is saying load up your bucket with partying and like risk-taking behavior, but you like, it's fine if you have time to be bored and it's fine if you spend your time reading or you decide you want to take pottery class. Like I like did not have space in my academic schedule to take any elective courses. Like I was only taking AP and math classes the whole time, which is not healthy. Like it is fine. If you want to cut yourself some slack and you don't want to take AP physics. And instead you think that, you know what? I'd actually like to learn a skill. I'm going to go take a class doing that. So I don't even think like the most strategic things and like being student body president are helpful. I think it's making yourself the most interesting person in the room. So if you have a weird hobby, lean into that hobby and like make that part of your brand because you want people to remember you. And the most, the best interview that I've had for college admissions, this young woman, I was interviewing a ton of people and their resumes are all great. This young woman was like, my favorite hobby is baking. She told me that during COVID, she baked apple pies and held a bake sale at her school to raise money for feminine hygiene products because it had been an issue that had impacted her a lot. And I ended up writing this like elaborate, because it was just so interesting. And she wasn't coming to the table to tell me about her rigorous coursework and how smart she was. She was just like, hey, man. I love to make apple pies and I made a real impact in my community. So it does not have to be this rigid one track mind of how you get to success. It is leaning into what your actual interests and hobbies are and making yourself a normal human being because that's what admissions officers want to see. Yeah. And do, and I, I love, I love that philosophy as well. It, it always surprises me like how, little people really may really know about themselves and what they value and what they enjoy doing. Um, And if it doesn't get you when you're a kid, it's going to get you later on when you're an adult, at some point in your life, you're going to hit this wall and feel miserable and, you know, unsatisfied and learning more about yourself and what, um, what you're interested in and what you find enjoyable is so important to your overall wellness and mental health. Do you have any um, any ideas on like how youth uh, can explore that or even how like the adults in their lives can help youth explore a little bit more about like who they are and what, <laughs> what their hobbies are? That is so important. We live in Washington, DC and the amount of grown adults who come to the table and are like, I have no idea. Like I just work at this top consulting firm. And I know very little about myself. And then they have this break where they're like, I like, I can't do this. So 
it does eat away at you. We see it all the time here. And the most important part, first as a parent, like give your kid the power of boredom. Boredom is so important. We overload kids' schedules like nobody's business. I nannied throughout college and these kids did not have a single moment to think. And when you do that, you think you're setting your kid up for success. You're like, I'm giving them all of these skills and classes, but kids need time to just think, wander out in the forest, do weird kid-like things. Mm -hmm. And that helps guide their understanding of who they are as a person because they need time to do that. Time is the biggest thing. And it is also very helpful as a caregiver or someone in a kid's life that if you are seeing that they're really good at something, always encourage it. Just tell them like, oh, you're so entrepreneurial. That is so cool that you started this jewelry making business at six. Like even if it's not successful, right? Like naming and identifying those traits allows a child to take them on for themselves because they're like, oh, I'm really smart. Like- I'm really interesting. I, the kids I nannied when I first started, they had this notion that they weren't smart. The kids were dyslexic and it took them a really long time to read. And we hear this a lot on TikTok with grown adults and things like that, where we're like manifestation, mindset, all of this stuff, but it doesn't channel down to kids. But mindset is such a big thing for kids. And when I started working with them, I was like, you guys are so smart. You're such a smart child, like, oh my gosh, you read so fast. And we would sit down and just read for hours at a time together. And by the time I left, that child was reading like two grades higher than their grade. And they were so confident. They were like, did you know that I'm the smartest person in the room? And I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we're a little too, (laughs) we're a little grandiose there. Yeah, a little little too grandiose, (laughs) but I love it. (laughs) But it's important that you have to influence your kids. And if you see that they're really good at something, or even if they struggle at something, encourage them to just continue to invest in it. And if you stretch it a little bit, like I told them they were a great reader by standards, were they great readers for their class? No, they weren't. But by continuing to repeat and say this, they grew confidence Mm -hmm. and they ultimately grew into that. So that is really helpful. And if you're a high school student trying to figure out what you want to do, just try a bunch of things. Like go to a bunch of clubs, sit in one club meeting. And if you're like, I hate this, I don't get along with these people. That's just fine. But don't feel afraid to go do things that you don't think are going to look good on a college application because it's not true. Like if you want to be in the art club, by all means, please go be in the art club. You don't have to be on the robotics team if you don't like robotics. Yeah. Yeah. Making your life decisions based off of what other people might think or how they may judge those decisions is just exhausting. It's not like it doesn't serve you in any way, shape or form. So many people go through this mindset of here's my 15 year plan so I can get to X job or here's my plan through high school to get into a top college. But why are you doing like you're going to ultimately get into the college and you're going to be unhappy. Because you didn't discover anything about yourself along the way. And that is a really hard identity crisis to come to if you're at Yale and you're paying $80,000 a year. Like that is not the time when you want to be having an identity crisis. Yeah. And that happens a lot. I mean, I'm also wondering um, how you could work with, uh, with clients once they do get accepted and they are in college because- we don't, we do know that that's only like part of the step is getting in and then it's like staying in and maintaining and then eventually graduating. And I mean, have you been able to, to work with people to, 
to kind of maintain while they're in college, that could still be a lot, especially for someone on their own. It is so hard. I, first, the curriculum is never straightforward. They, like, if you're navigating majors and trying to figure out what are all the requirements that you need, you may have like a major supervisor, but that person plays a very small part in your life. I remember having various Excel sheets and notes taken where I was like, these are the classes that I think fit, but you're not confident. You're like, I, there's still a chance that I'm missing something and we're going to get to graduation day. And I'm missing that. Like that is terrifying. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember it. It was horrible. I would sit there and just be like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, this is overwhelming in and of itself. So it's definitely only a small part, right? You get into college and then you're like, Hmm, now I'm going to figure out what I want to major in. So there are, <laughs> there are a lot of steps and everybody's journey is so different because a lot of people grow up and they're like, I want to do this one thing for the rest of my life. My twin was just like that. I wasn't, Yeah. I ended up switching majors. So I get the process, but if you were trying to stay in school, let's plan this arc. Yeah. You had support, you got into college, you're now at Yale, you're stressed out, you don't know what your major is, you're having a hard time acclimating. The best thing that you can do for yourself in that situation, first, take a lot of classes in different fields so you can make the major change once mm -hmm. and not multiple times but have conversations with people that ultimately you want to emulate. Like if you have a role model in your life and you're able to look at that person and genuinely say, I want to be like them, talk to them, talk to just all of the people so you can get a decent sense. And if you're struggling to keep yourself on track in school, having a conversation with a parent or somebody that can keep you accountable is going to be really helpful because if you live in this little silo and echo chamber, you're going to just continue hearing your repeating thoughts. And unfortunately, 17, 18 year old, you is not the smartest person in the room. Like right. get support from other people. Right. And for your, your wellness, uh, coaching practice, in addition to doing like youth academic coaching, you also focus on like professional development or career development for people. So you, so you can, help guide them through the whole process <laughs> hard life is so figuring hard. it out once you're launching and transitioning from college into adult world and career that is so i would say college admissions is super impactful yeah i would say the hardest point in someone's life is leaving college and going into the workforce yeah. i graduated with thousands of people and i stay in touch with like via LinkedIn or just like understanding what's going on with them. But these people who went to a top 10 school and thought they wanted X thing for the rest of their life and graduated and then realized that applying for jobs takes six months. Yeah. You're going to get rejected a lot. Like for some people, that's the first time they've actually experienced rejection. Mm -hmm. And when you get into the workforce, people have this misunderstanding that what you're going to choose at 23 is going to be like your one and only choice, which that is not true. You can change jobs as many times as tickles your fancy. Like you should not silo yourself in, but also deciding a job that's actually a good fit for you. People wrap their identity, especially in DC, in being an associate at this law firm where 
they are not engaging in healthy practices or they want to go be a consultant and their goal is to be a partner at McKinsey, BCG, Deloitte, whichever one it is. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of identity wrapped up in that. So we have to take a lot of time to separate that when navigating professionalism and what you want to have as a career, because I know folks who went on to be a managing partner at BCG and we're sitting down having a cocktail on a Friday night and they are telling me how unhappy they are. And I don't want anyone to rent like ends their life and career that way because you shouldn't be 55 discovering that you don't know what your favorite color is or that you don't have any hobbies or that you don't know your kids. So professional coaching is a big deal that nobody talks about Mm -hmm. and it's essential college preparedness. Great. We want to get you into a top school, but career wise, this is not only going to impact you. It's going to impact if you want to have a family, it impacts everyone that's around you. So you have to be very intentional. Yeah. And I'm wondering, we've talked a lot about like youth who are down and and motivated. Uh, How do you work with youth who don't follow through with all of the tasks and work and prep that it takes to get into a university or college? How do you navigate that? People think that college is like the one-stop shop for what kids can do after high school, but for kids, it's too like... First, we should suss out whether or not there is like ADHD, any sort of learning disability going on, because that is the root of a lot of things. When I was studying for my ECT, I was telling my parents, I was like, I just can't read. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't read. And they're like, this is crazy, Hayden. What are you talking about? Come to find out I have ADHD and it just completely changed my life. So that is helpful. But for kids who are not motivated or they just don't want to go. If you have a kid who does not want to engage in the college application process, that is not a great standard to be setting for them to get to school because you may help them get in, but then you're sending them off and you're expecting them to meet with deadlines and take advantage of their major. So if they have the resources, they should take a gap year. Maybe they're a better fit of starting a company. Maybe they should travel. Like There are a lot of additional options that you don't have to go straight from high school into college, Mm -hmm. it would be very helpful for them to gain some additional skills and resources before going because the application is a six month process. College is four years and that's a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate how you start off by saying, let's first understand what's contributing to this behavior because a, a kid, a, teens resistance to engaging in college prep or studying or, um, you know, filling out applications that that resistance could be because of a number of different reasons. I mean, maybe they do want to go to university, but they're feeling overwhelmed and really frustrated and struggling because they have a, a diagnosed or undiagnosed learning disability, you know? So then we have, then that approach is going to be very different than the kid who's resisting or not following through because they just really don't give a damn. You know, they really don't want to go to college, right? Everyone is different. You have no idea. They can be navigating something really difficult in their personal lives. Like there are a lot of contributing factors to why kids behave the way they do. And it's not always so overt as I don't want to go to college. So I'm going to lash out in this way. No, sometimes it's just like, I'm going through a really bad breakup and I can't focus and I don't care about this college application. So handling those stop gaps Mm -hmm. is what's essential. But for some kids, 
they just don't want to go. And you should never force a kid to go to college. They can always go at 19, 20 if they want to, but if they don't let them figure it out because not everyone's path to success is going to Harvard, going to Northwestern. Like that is not the case. My twin, his and I's like understandings of success are completely different. He locks himself up in a computer lab and he's like, oh, my method of success <laughs> is to not sleep and to type computer code. I'm like, that is freakish behavior. Like, I right. <laughs> but totally different people and totally different wants and aspirations. So that is what's helpful about having an education coach is you have somebody who is a third party actor talking with your family. Like as mom and dad, you have a vested interest of like what you want for your child. And sometimes that keeps blinders on where you can't really see what your kid's skills actually are and what they want, or you don't have the capacity to hear them versus if you have somebody who's a third actor, they understand what mom and dad's wants are. They hear what the child's wants are. And we help communicate those and bridge the gap and eliminate all of the frustration that comes along with it. Because sometimes teens just don't want to be told to sit down and write their application by their mom and their dad. Like, if my mom and dad had said that to me, I'd have been like, I'm out. I'm not doing it. Mine did. I was like, no, this is, this is torture. I don't want to do any of this. I feel you. So it's just really essential. And if you have the ability to tap into that resource, if you've saved up for your kid to have four years of education paid for, then you should pay a smaller amount on the front end so that they can get a scholarship and do all of these things. Because we're looking to work smarter, not harder. And if you can make a small level investment on the front end, that's going to save you. College is expensive, 100,000, 150,000 on the back end. And how do you work with the adults in the, in the youth's life? Are they usually the ones that will connect you? And then do you continue to engage with them? Or is it mostly focusing with the youth? How logistically, how does that all go down? It is two prong. So there's typically, I don't often find it very helpful to sit down with the youth and the parent in the same meeting because the youth is just not, they're not going to be transparent. They're going to be like, I'm hearing what mom and dad say. That's all. So I typically manage two different relationships. It is with the youth. We have conversations about what they're wanting and their thoughts are. I have an initial intake with mom and dad. We talk about what their common goals are. And then we come to a path forward where I lay out all the steps of what we are going to do. And then I work with the youth and we prepare essays. I check in with them. I make sure they're doing their college testing prep. And all of this gets sent in like a memo report form to mom and dad. And then we will have conversations on the back end, basically like parent teacher conferences. You as a parent are not sitting in on your kids' classes, but you are connecting with their teachers to understand what is going on in the classroom. A lot of these people they were my classmates. They got into these schools and they were like, oh, I'm here. And now I'm starting to feel panic attacks and I'm starting to feel anxiety and I can't breathe. And that's terrifying. So we need to allow kids to actually be kids and grow up. And as parents, if we can take an active role in their lives, that alleviates some of that stress. Because if we are educated and informed about what actually helps our kids get into those top schools or actualize their dreams. It's not filling their days up with piano, swimming, 
chess class. Like I know five-year-olds who had chess tutors. That is, it's just wild. Like it's not helpful and it's taking away from your kid's ability to be bored and self-discover. And those are the kids that are going to be the most successful because they have a grasp on what they want and who they are as a person and metrics of success look very different, but forcing your kid to be up from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night, working nonstop is not going to lead you to a metric of success that you like. I appreciate all of that so much and the work that you do. We're going to have a page up for our listeners to be able to get in touch with you and any of the resources you recommend. And we'll keep on talking up (laughs) academic coaching and preparing youth for college. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alexis. You've been listening to Wit and Reason on DC Radio. Make sure to check out witandreason.com slash DC Radio in order to access all of the resources we mentioned on today's show and to listen to some of our past shows. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media, including some really fun YouTube videos with the handle Wit and Reason. Let's keep the conversation going.